This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. A young father missing on Halloween night. Years of searches have turned up nothing. Who really knows what happened to David Ortiz Jr.? Episode 58 of Crime Over Wine starts right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Crime Over Wine, the only podcast with head-scratching true crime stories that are just better over a bottle of wine. I'm your host, Liam Collins, and this week, my guest co-host is a podcaster, a journalist, and a Chattanooga local as well. My guest co-host this week is Riley Nagel. Hello, Riley. How's it going? Hello, Liam. I'm good. I like your intro. Makes me sound like a... Like, I actually do cool, interesting things, so I appreciate (laughs) that. But I am so honored. Thank you so much. I've been really looking forward to being a part of it. And if you guys um, go all the way back to, like, episode 35, 36, 37, or something like that, um, you'll hear um, Riley's new fiancé. New-ish, actually, I guess. Um, That was uh, Cornelia Nicholson. New, New, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Cornelia Nicholson. Right, Cornelia Nicholson was was way back on um was way back a couple I think like twenty episodes ago or something like that again I can't even keep track anymore because we're in episode mm-hmm. fifty eight. Um, You're but, out of control, Liam. I know. I just need to slow down. I just need to slow <laughs> down. Um, but yeah, so so y'all have been together for a long time. Y'all know each other for a long time, and y'all kind of went a little viral there for a second, a little mini yeah, viral. Yeah, we had we had our fifteen minutes for sure, but we've been together for like four years. And then. Um, for anyone who, who doesn't know me and Cornelia's story, I proposed to her kind of on air at Local 3, and that blew up, and we had a blast with that. Yeah. And now we're at the less fun stage of being engaged where it's all this <laughs> wedding planning. And uh, <laughs> I'm fair. getting stressed out with Cornelia getting stressed out, and so it's, it's It'd a be process. Like that. Are you ready to, um, to break the news of the, the wedding date yet? Oh, you know what? I'm sure by the time this episode comes out, we'll probably have a venue like a deposit down and a, a specific date. But we're looking at around March 29th of 2025. Okay. There's a venue that Cornelia absolutely loves. That date got taken up. So now we're in a whirlwind of trying to figure out a new no. venue. But we'll see. It, we, yeah. We're still kind of kind of um, keeping our fingers crossed for March 29th. Well, I was hoping for that scoop um, on Crime Over Wine, but unfortunately, no. But um, go look up, um, go look up Riley Nickel and, and Cornelia Nicholson on YouTube. You'll see exactly what we're talking about. It's adorable. Um, you know, not to not to blow Riley up too much, but I y'all tried. are fantastic. Um, well, let's celebrate your 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 engagement and your impending wedding with a bottle mm-hmm. of wine. How oh, about perfect. that? So yes, um, this week Riley, we're drinking Klein's Zinfandel. It has a wide array of strawberry and plum aromas, followed by black cherry and vanilla flavors with a smooth finish. And so, Riley, I know that you're typically more of like a beer guy. Am I right about that? Yes, you are. I was going to let you know that I'm not like it's – I wouldn't say wine is my go-to. I do appreciate a good wine, though. I don't think my palate is um, knowledgeable enough on what is particularly (laughs) good or not, but – 
This does smell very good. Yeah. Well, we're going to find out. I So I usually, honestly, and, and uh, this is like my own personal bias, but um, I usually try to avoid Zinfandels on, on Crime Over Wine only because I just don't really like Zinfandels that much. Okay. Um, but I was like, you know what? Riley Nagel's coming on the podcast, and so therefore we have to do something a little bit different, right? Because Riley's a little, a little bit different. Right. Yes. So it's something a little special. I like that. And so um, that's what we're doing on Crime Over Wine this week. Um, we're we're doing we're doing something. We're getting out of our comfort zones. We're getting so a little crazy we over here. Getting we're getting crazy. carried away. Nothing yeah, wrong with that. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Nothing <laughs> wrong with that at all. Um, I'm gonna pour this bad boy. Oh yes, big pour. That's what I'm talking about. Love that. Well, cheers to you, Riley. Thanks so much for coming cheers, on, Liam. Thank you so much for having me. I was gonna tell Ooh. you, Liam, too. I literally could not remember. If I had a dream that you had invited me on, because it had been a few months since you asked me. <laughs> That's correct. I, I could not find like a text message or an email anywhere. I, I remember looking like one day, I'm like, I could have swore Liam had said something about being on the show. <laughs> I couldn't well, find the message. I am here to make dreams come true, Riley. Um, and so here we are. Um, so that, that that it's everyone's dream to be on Crime Over Wine. You, some some of us just like you just make it a reality, and you're the yeah. you're the one. So I'm living um, the dream over here. Correct. Well, I am. I'm getting a lot of um, like spicy notes um, on the, uh, in in the in the wine as well, um, and a lot of I mean traditional Zinfandel, very sweet, very fruity. Um, but that there's something out on the edges almost that is kind of throwing me off a little bit. And I can't figure out exactly what it is. Maybe it's vanilla. It could be the vanilla, actually. Mm. Okay, I could see the vanilla a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, like you said, traditionally, yeah. traditionally fruity. I like that flavor. It, it's right up my alley. But I know what you're saying. Something just a little bit yeah. different about it. Yeah, it's like for it. it's in the back of the mouth, and it's I can't really tell if it's the vanilla or the plum. I think it's I think it's the vanilla though. Either way, it's gonna do the trick. It's pretty good though. For for again, I'm not a huge Zinfandel person, but for Zinfandel, this is pretty darn good. Yeah. Um, I would, I would, I think I would probably, I think I could probably finish this whole bottle. And so we're going to find out. If I'm glad you said that because I was hesitant. Mm. I don't know how other <laughs> guests do this on the, on their episodes, but I think I might get a little tipsy by the end. Of well, it. Little, behave little... yourself, Riley. Um, cause we have, we have a, we have a quite a dense case here. Um, we have, okay. a, there's kind of, it's kind of odd, right? Because there's a lot to discuss, but not a whole lot of detail in the case I'm going to tell you about today, Riley. Um, just more mystery. I like a just good a little bit of mystery. Yeah. And so this week I want to tell you the story of a New Mexico teenage father who seemed to finally be getting his life together when he vanished. But after years of dead end leads and frustrating rumors, the family has resigned themselves into giving up on finding him alive, but instead are determined to find answers. Riley, this week I want to tell you about David Ortiz Jr. and the mystery on Halloween night. In 2010, David Ortiz Jr. was getting his life together. You see, he wasn't always the most well-behaved and didn't always make the best choices either. But by the time he was 18, he was realizing the error of his ways and starting to come to terms with the fact that he needed to grow up and grow up quickly. And a big reason for that was because he suddenly found himself as a father. His high school girlfriend, Amy, who David was just absolutely in love with, had gotten pregnant. And that's when David realized that he needed to smarten up, get a real job, 
and start to support his new son and possibly his new family. David was excited but nervous about becoming a new father, but he knew what he had to do. He had no other choice. So as David's parents tell the podcast true consequences, David started to do that. He was just about to finish his GED. He got a good job with the city, started putting money away for his son, who had just turned one. But he wasn't really one to stir up trouble. His parents said that he wasn't one to do drugs or, you know, get involved in that crowd or get involved with the wrong people. He was smarter than that and didn't have anyone out to get him as far as he could tell anyways. But despite his wisening up about the life he was living with respect to his son, the relationship he had with Amy and her family wasn't easy. Amy's family looked at him as a nuisance in Amy's life and didn't want David around Amy or their child at all. So they fought him for custody and throughout the first year of the child's life, that was the the circumstances of their relationship, leading right up until October 28th, 2010, when David ended up having a pretty big win here. He was granted unsupervised visitation rights with his son, and he had his first visit with him on October 30th, just two days later. Okay, so I feel like with what I know, so far I feel bad for our I guess kind of main character of the story Mm -hmm. David Um, life is coming at him fast yeah and I mean even at my age as a 30 year old I don't feel all grown up or Mm -hmm. if I had a kid like I was in his situation that's what has to happen but it's sad to see um, someone at his age have so much thrown at him and what seems to be leading towards even some more uh, rough yeah circumstances that come his way right and as a 25 year old man right like i totally agree right because i certainly remember myself at 18 like thinking that i knew everything thinking that i had it all figured out thinking that i was mature thinking that i probably you know if if things you know did get thrown my way i could handle it right but um but you can't right like you just like i think i gotta think back to myself at 18 you're you're, you're a kid. kid. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely a kid, right? But but and with that being said too, all 18-year-old kids make dumb decisions. And so it's like it's kind of like some are worse than others, like some have bad luck but like we all make bad decisions and so um it's kind of like it's it's unfortunate i suppose but 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 it seemed as though he was handling it well right because it's like it's it's like he he saw that again he saw the error of his way saw that he that the the consequences of his actions and was like well i I gotta do what i gotta do he was rising to the occasion right you know even at the age of 18 when you're still yeah kind of a child basically yeah you're you're so much is going on in life, and he was putting his priorities straight. Yeah. So it seems like someone you want to root for. Like I said, that's why it kind of makes it more sad. Yeah. Knowing, um, you know, someone in his situation at such a young age. Yeah. And have some some seriously bad luck. Yeah. Well, and, and and to that point too, not a lot of people do that either, right? Like I think like there are a lot of people who who make bad decisions, have bad luck, and don't rise to the occasion. And so David, it's unfortunate that David seemed to be doing just that, and still wasn't really having things swing his way, unfortunately. But, and again, we don't know the full story. You know, we know what his family is telling us, to be fair. Mm-hmm. But um, but still, it seemed like, you know, he was moving in the right direction. But, you know, it's important to remember here that David was still an 18-year-old kid. And so on October 31st, he had plans with friends to have a good time on Halloween night. So around 5 that night, he left his grandparents' house to go out with his friends. He left his cell phone behind because it didn't have any minutes left on it anyways. You know, 
throwback majorly. So, but because of that, you know, there is a significant amount of confusion about what happens next with David. But what we do know is that David never ended up arriving at the place where his friend said that they planned to meet up that night. Wow. So this makes me think about how it's just not even that long ago, 2010. You know, I know it's over a decade, but um, I guess not everyone had smartphones. Not everyone was taking their phones with them constantly. There were still people who... David's case, we're using minutes over, right. you know, it's, it's, it's wild to think that just such a short time ago, you could, um, you could get into this situation where something bad happens, doesn't have his mm-hmm. phone with him and you can't get tracked down. We don't hear that happening very often. Right. Is. Right. Yeah. Right. I think, yeah. Again, minutes is like, I don't know very how dated. old my audience is, but that's a dated <laughs> concept. Right. But I mean, for those of you who don't know, right. Like, like if you don't have minutes on your phone, your phone is useless. Like you, like, that's I the point. don't even think you could con- con- contact police if you didn't have any minutes on your cell phone, if I remember correctly. And so it was just not something that was useful. Um, you know, like why bring it, why bring it along? Why risk losing it? Um, and so, and again, I go back to like the fact that like, like, like this is just normal, like, 18-year-old kid stuff, right? Like, it's Halloween night. You want to have a good time. You're going out with your friends. You know, you don't have your kid. So, like, why why waste? Why bother, right? Like, why yeah. not just, you know, why not just go out and have a good time because my friends want to have a good time? Um, I don't know exactly what they were trying to do. Um, which is which is kind of interesting to me. Like I don't know a whole lot about this friend get together, and so I yeah. do feel like I want to know a lot more about it. They're they're teenagers. It's it's Halloween. Um, all sorts of things mm-hmm. people could get up to, and yeah, I can't. It, it's it's a weird situation that we're in right now. What we don't know much is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. What are, what are like the limited things that we do know? Well, so again, Riley, we do know that David left his grandparents' house at five Halloween night. And we also know actually from David's cousin later on that he stopped by a store that David's cousin worked at around nine that night to buy some cigarettes. But that is, as far as we can tell, the last time anyone would report seeing David, including by the friends who again had said that they had planned to hang out with David that night. But again, that never ended up happening, at least as far from what we are being told. When David never arrived home the next day either, his friends and family were starting to get more and more worried. As the time ticked on and on, they weren't hearing anything about David. They called around to friends, but none of them knew where he was, and no one had heard a thing from him since David went to the store the night of Halloween. So, by November 30th, 2010, three days after Halloween night, his parents decided to call Silver City, New Mexico police to report him missing. Three days? Yeah. that's normal to wait so long? Definitely not normal, um, right? Like, a lot of people are being told that it's too soon, right? Like, I feel like that to, to report someone missing three days is kind of unheard of. I feel like, anyways, I, I mean, just in, in terms of, like... Like, because there's like I think about like the Gretchen Fleming case, um, right? Where like his, where um, her family decided to like like waited I think like more than a week to report her missing, um, and so but that was in that circumstance in those circumstances was like very normal for her to not hear from for um to not communicate with with her friends and family for multiple days, and so it's kind of odd that like David's living with them, and like. It sounds like it's not normal for him it to doesn't, go very I can't long imagine it time is. saying anything to someone. Well, and again, it's 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 one of those situations where it's like you like it seems as though everything's kind of going all right in your life at the moment, right? And it doesn't. It's like it's odd that you like just won this major, like you know, this major hurt, like win of like of uh, with your kid um and so it seems as though you would be on like your best behavior at this time and so it just seems odd that you like you don't think it's odd that they were that they just you just don't hear from him for three days 
Yeah. I you wonder know? if it would, if um, law enforcement knew kind of some of these details about his life or like, you know, maybe this is a situation where he, you know, ran off or something, kind of running sure. away from his responsibilities. Maybe. Well, and also, too, I think about, like, the fact that, like, there's no way that three days after, he like, Halloween that he didn't have to go to work and he was, like, working for the city – and so I wonder, maybe that tells me that maybe it was kind of normal for him to kind of blow stuff off, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, not come around home and, like, like couch surf or whatever, like, stay at a friend's house, like, sleep it off for three days and ditch He's still work. still a kid, you know, that, yeah, that stuff happens. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I also go back to the fact, so that, so the Halloween night, too, um, because we, because, so the, he left the, his grandparents' house at five, um, and then he, we don't really know what happened until around nine when his cousin says that he came into the store to buy cigarettes. And so that feels like a long period of time, too, that we don't really know what happened also. So I'm like, like, but like he clearly wasn't at the hangout that he said he was going to. And so where was he in those four hours is what I kind of want to know. I'm curious if later on, if we find out any more from his friends, like I'm sure in general, they probably don't know, but maybe they have some small detail, like mm-hmm. uh, a message like, yeah, I was going to possibly stop here before going yeah. there. It's not brought up. Um, it seems like those details maybe sometimes drop in, in these kind of cases if, if they're maybe solved or something yeah. or, you know, these these um, little pieces of clues pop up. I'm, I just know we know so little, so I'm wondering what they could possibly go yeah. off of to yeah. figure out what's going on. Yeah, and there's also, too, um, what I think about a lot of times in these types of situations where it's, you know, where police can kind of, you know, like, you know, keep information to themselves sometimes, too. Um, where it can be, um, you know, where like maybe they do know where he was in those four hours, but he was with somebody who we consider are considering a person of interest or a suspect possibly. Um, and so police don't want to really reveal that much um, because they know because they don't want to let this person know that they know more than they actually do. And so so maybe that that's kind of in the back of their heads as well that, that yeah. I have to keep I have to keep that in mind, I suppose, sometimes. You think they'd even keep some details away from the family just in the um maybe sense of I'm, trying to maybe i mean i've seen before where where police or or investigators or or you know prosecutors have told family like don't tell people this um like do not speak publicly about this they seem to be pretty outspoken and you know like fairly trusting of police though at the, all at the same time um and so i would be surprised um, if, if they knew some details that they weren't sharing only because they seemed to just be able to like, you know, they did a whole, po- they did two episodes of a podcast, um, where they, where they interviewed with, with this podcast. And so I would be surprised if that, if, if they didn't, if they knew information and didn't release it on this podcast only because of how open they've been. But, but I could be proven wrong. I, I, it, it could go either way. I think I want to hear more so I can kind of like pick apart yeah. a little bit on like who is maybe, up to no good, or if yeah. there's anyone in this story that seems like they might be um, having some nefarious reasons to do something to David. Yeah, well, we're going to find out for sure, Riley. There are some, there okay. are some suspects for sure. But you know, David's family felt as though in their in the three days after he went missing that they had exhausted all of their options in searching for David on their own. They had asked everyone who they could think of, searched everywhere that came to mind, and went down every avenue that turned into yet another dead end. 
And so going to the police seemed to be the next logical move. Police in Silver City appear to be taking David's disappearance seriously right off the bat. And about a week after he disappeared, investigators execute a search warrant at a home on Mountain View Road in Silver City. But investigators never spoke publicly about who this house belonged to or what they found there, if anything at all. Mm. I don't know what the reasons are that they don't have, like, they wouldn't release any details about that. I mean, I guess... They probably don't think it's important for the public or anyone to know, so they think no purpose of telling or releasing that information, but still, you kind of want to know everything that's going on, Every any little piece of information. Right. Yeah, for sure, absolutely, especially, again, people like me who, like, need to know all this stuff to, like, get it, to, to, like, you know, to satisfy myself here. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I have to imagine that, you know, if they found something significant, right, like, they if if, because it feels like things are, like, right there here, Mm -hmm. um, it seems as though, to me, that they probably would have released it. And so I feel like they, I have to imagine that they didn't really find anything significant, in my opinion. And imagine maybe they do have a specific lead on some someone. They go to this location. They don't find anything that would even hold that person accountable, or not accountable, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, any sort of evidence that might link them to David's disappearance. Um, right. And <clears throat> maybe in the sake of the investigation, don't want to ruin anything, they still are just kind of like keeping that hush-hush, yeah. you know. They have right. someone in mind. They check out this place. Um, these are all assumptions on why they might, you know, go check out this place and not say anything. Sure. Uh, but that's kind of, that's where my mind goes a little bit. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, you know, the, there's even more there too, Riley, and we're going to get to there, all that in just a little bit for sure. Um, but definitely hold all those thoughts. But, you know, the Silver City Police Department, you know, was looking into Davis's appearance and all the while rumors started swirling around the city about what may have happened to him, including the idea that he may have gotten involved with the wrong people. Crime Over Wine is sponsored by BetterHelp. As someone who's used therapy for years, I know that finding a therapist can sometimes be a stress on its own, juggling your full-time job, your family, your friends, your podcast, and trying to find the right therapist on top of that can almost feel impossible. That's where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp matches you with a therapist that works for you on your terms. It's online, it's remote, and by filling out a few questions, BetterHelp can match you to one of 33,000 licensed professional therapists in as little as a few days. And because finding a new therapist is a lot like finding a new bottle of wine, if you don't jive with your therapist, you can easily switch to a new one at no additional cost. You can get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp by going to betterhelp.com slash crimeoverwine. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash crime over wine for 10% off your first month. Join over 4 million people who decided to get help and get happy with BetterHelp. Hello, Crime Over Wine listeners. I am Rachel. And I'm Heather. We are the hosts of Like Mother, Like Murder. We bring you the good, the badass, and the crime. Each week, we bring you stories from missing and murdered to survivors and women who empower you. And of course, some mom talk sprinkled in. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts at Like Mother, Like Murder. And give us a follow on social media so that we can say hi. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. 
The rumors in town suggested that David may have gotten tied up with the wrong crowd, and maybe they were waiting for him as David headed toward his friend's house that night. And that confused David's family quite a bit, because that didn't seem to be like the David they knew at all. Sure, he had his problems, but he wasn't involved in any drug activity as far as they knew, and by and large, he knew who to hang around with and who not to hang around with. David was the kind of guy you went to to talk about your problems, they said, not the guy starting those problems. But the rumors swirled and swirled around town for months as the search for David continued, and every time a new rumor came up, David's family made sure that investigators handling David's case were aware of them. The most predominant rumors involved something bad happening to David. Those rumors suggested that he may have gotten into it with the wrong people, and that they got rid of him by beating him to death, throwing him in the back of a trunk, and buried him in the Silver City landfill. And so in April of 2011, police ended up executing a search warrant at the nearby landfill, but they didn't end up finding anything. Wow, this uh, this little city just rumor mills all mm-hmm. over the place. I'm I'm um, surprised that th- th- some of these rumors must have had some sort of weight with them, maybe Correct. depending on who they came from, because they're not going to go just check out um, a landfill for no reason. Yeah. So, so the whole Fair. town sounds like they're committed or at least very intrigued on yeah. what's happened. Mm-hmm. Well, and what kind of boggled my mind, frankly, Riley, was the specificity here, right? Because a lot of times these rumors are like, oh, he may have gotten, he, he may have like been dumped at the, at the, at the, you know, landfill or like, oh, he may have been beaten to death and like dragged out of town. But like the fact that it's like the rumors were that he gotten beat, that he was beaten to death by the wrong people, throw, thrown in the back of a trunk and then drove to the city landfill and buried. Like, that is, that's kind of odd to me that there's so much detail there that it's almost like, it. I almost have to be like, that feels like somebody knows something and is, like, dropping the hints and is leaving, like, a breadcrumb. Yeah, that's where it sounds like, um, it sounds like that's where your mind's at. You kind of, like, made me realize, I'm like, of course, he's, it's not just a whole community mm-hmm. thinking of random things. Somebody knows something. Right. Gave some specific details, maybe so specific enough that it got law enforcement to actually want to check it out because right. they're like, this. why would it be so specific? Right. Where would that even come from? Right. Like, unless unless somebody who knew that that was what happened. Right. And I didn't really see any other possibilities otherwise. Right. Like, I saw that he was, like, driven out of town. I saw that he was, like, you know, but it, all, it always came back to the same thing, that he was beaten to death, thrown in the back of a trunk, and drove and buried at the landfill. And so it's like, it's like, that seems to be, like, the, the order of operations here from whoever, from however this whole thing happened. And so, like, again, I never saw any other possibilities that he was, like, you know, thrown into a creek somewhere. I never saw I never saw other options. It was just the landfill. Like, that was the only, you know, that was the only ending here. Like, that's it. Yeah. But again, yeah, then. weird. Yeah. But then again, you go to the, through, the, through the whole thing and you search the landfill and you find nothing. I'm sure, you know, even if they do check a landfill, things could slip through the cracks, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, but assuming sure. that it sounds like he's probably not there that's still, it just adds this mystery of um, where are these even details coming from? Yeah, right. The police are still coming up with nothing. Um, I think I'm just going to pour another glass of wine. Yeah. Well, you're going to need every drop because um, it's, it, whew, there's a twist here at the end, Riley, that you're going to need some wine for, for sure. So save for that. Okay. Well, over the next several years, police had searched four more properties following up on tips related to David's disappearance. 
In June of 2012, police searched a home in Santa Clara, a city about 15 minutes east of Silver City. They also brought in cadaver dogs to search another home on Mobile Drive in Silver City. By 2016, investigators had felt pretty frustrated by the lack of information they had received about David's disappearance. They said publicly that they hadn't received any new tips or leads on David's case in years. But even despite the lack of leads, they said that they were treating the case as suspicious and had people in mind who might have been involved. Wow, even this, so many years later, not that many years later, but years later, uh seem like they don't have much to go off of. Mm-hmm. Apparently have some people um, of sus- suspicion, right. I guess. It's all. It's just very interesting. I, I keep thinking of how difficult it would be for, let's say, someone did something to David to just have him no trace. Right. You know, right. No, no connections to anyone who knows anything or obviously a body or... It's it's yeah. it's fascinating. Yeah. Well, and I go back to what I was saying before about you know it's it's so clear to me that that you know they are they know so much more than they're letting on publicly, right? Um, so mm-hmm. it seems as though that you know they have these people in mind who may or may not have been involved in the invest in in you know David's disappearance, and yet not specifically saying like who those people are, what kind of yeah. people they are. So it's just again, it's all just leading me to believe that they have a lot more information and are just kind of keeping. Their cards close to the chest here. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think we've been, we've kind of talked about it too so far about how um, to have people in mind to clearly see that they're going in some sort of direction. Right. But they're also not really saying that they know anything. Right. So it it definitely like you're saying makes you think that they know more than they're leading on. But you'd imagine it's all in um, with a purpose. In, yeah. Yes. They don't want to give away too much. They don't maybe want the suspicious people to um, get suspicious. I don't even know. Right, I'm not right. in law enforcement. I don't know what they would do even if they knew law enforcement <laughs> thought it was them. Yeah. But they don't want people to know. Yeah, that's fair. That's really fair. Okay, so we don't know much, but apparently there's some suspicious people. So how many people are we talking? Who is it? Who are these people? Well, they never actually, again, said anything publicly, Riley, but the family has some pretty good ideas. They, without any real evidence to back it up, to be clear, say they believe Amy's family may have wanted to get rid of David. The timeline around David getting custody over his son certainly doesn't do them any favors either, but again, they don't provide any real direct evidence that supports that theory necessarily. But again, motive there, potentially, but nothing really behind it. So I just want to be totally clear to my listeners, this is just the family saying this. Um, this is kind of where their mindset is at this point in the investigation. Yeah, I, I mean, from my outside perspective, not living in that community, not knowing anything about this family, reading this, it sounds just like a, almost a bit of a conspiracy theory. Sure. Um, but say you live in this community, you know this family, you know kind of a little bit more about... Um, the circumstances around all this, maybe they had a reason or someone had a reason to, to yeah. kind of point the point the finger a little bit, but still that sounds a little far fetched. Yeah, I would agree. And like again, I go back to the like like I've covered a lot of, of you know true crime cases um in my career. And so um like I go like I talk to a lot of family members as a result of that. And so I always know that the you know I, I always feel it out that sometimes the family members just need someone to blame. Um and it just and you know, regardless of how it happened, you know, it, it's it's easy for it's easy to fall into the trap of 
well, like whoever seems, you know, like I need, I need someone to, to go after at some point, right? Like regardless of, of how much credence you can really put into that, like it, I just need someone to kind of point my finger at initially because somebody has to be at fault here. Somebody is at fault and I need to kind of pinpoint that person to kind of like, to, 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 you know, to hate that person, right? Like I need, I need yeah. to hate that person. Put your energy somewhere. Right. Right, precisely. And, and the family kind of being um, one sort of people that has been brought up in a suspicious way kind of reminded me of the fact that about Amy, not that I think Amy is behind any of this, but I guess I'm kind of curious about maybe what kind of, kind of questioning law enforcement has had with the family sure. with Amy. You know, these this is a young couple, but anytime you hear about um, a certain person getting killed if they have a spouse or someone close to them, that's who police. Go sure. To yeah, and, way. and I have to imagine that they questioned the family to a certain extent, right? And we're we're talking about like a lot of different properties that were searched using search warrants, and so I have, to, frankly, I have to imagine that you know the fam like Amy's family was involved, like owned some of these properties in some way. We just don't know for sure because the police didn't say publicly yeah. who who owned those properties, and so I I have to imagine that they were searched. Um, you know, just because of how close they were and like the motive and like the, the timeline here, right? Like again, yeah. like David, you know, gets custody on, on uh, gets visitation rights on the 30th and the 31st he goes missing, right? And so, and the family clearly didn't like that very much. And so point being is like easy person to go to, but again, I want to be crystal clear that there's no physical evidence to, to, to directly point them out. It's just strictly the family thinking that they have the, the most amount of motive of motivation here. Yeah, I, I understand that. They don't seem so suspect, but right. David has a lot of ties to them. Correct. So obviously Correct. they're gonna have to get um they're gonna have to go through sort of the right the process right. to to make them appear not naturally. Right, exactly. And you know, jumping forward here to February of twenty seventeen, Riley, police had gotten a really interesting tip from a kind of unlikely place. A jail informant had given them a map with an X on it. And the inmate told police that that was where they were able to find human remains. And again, I don't really know a whole lot of information around this jail informant. Um, kind of what I'm gathering and kind of and what I've been able to put together here is that there was somebody related to David, um, who ended up in jail, and through kind of like you know lots of different you know communications, they were they got to this guy who and and you know started questioning him specifically about david and then the guy was drew the x in the map as part of this wow. conversation and so there was a okay. lot of different like avenues and you know like second third degree relationships but that's where it it ended up first of all i wish i could see this map i want to know if it looks kind of like a child's treasure map with an <laughs> x you know marking the yeah. spot or um uh, how detailed it looks but this is i think kind of a not silly but it's just such a strange development i agree um it uh, I mean, this is something you're going to have to look into, but on the surface, uh, it seems almost as if someone is just trying to um, not so much gather attention, but just kind of put yeah. on their two cents, be a part of a little bit of the drama. Well, yeah. But this is obviously could develop to be something. Oh, yeah, for sure. And they have to look into it, right? But, like, mm -hmm. I also go back to, like, jail informants are, like, on my list of trustworthy, of trustworthy sources, jail informants are, like, the lowest on the list um, because yeah. they always, they want something, right? Like, at the, the yeah. regardless of, 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 you know, what they are trying to do, like, their situation could not get much worse than they are than it is right now, right? Because they're in jail. 
Um, and so, you know, so I got a reason, right. They always have a reason. And so I kind of, you know, I put as much stake into that as that would entail. But, you know, when investigators ended up searching the property at the site of the X, they do find bones, actually, Riley. Oh, okay. And are motivated at first at the prospect of finally having something of substance here after that. But after further testing, it was determined that the bones they had found were animal bones and not Mm. human ones. And so this jail informant was, you know, ruled out in terms of credibility pretty quick. Shoot, another dead end. I keep getting my hopes up with all Mm -hmm. these, like, twists and turns. Welcome to Crime Over Wine, Riley. (laughs) I am here for it. I would imagine from the family's perspective, too, I, I... In this story, I feel we don't hear a whole lot of maybe the drama that they're kind of going through. Mm -hmm. But I wonder what it would be like um, to get your hopes up or to hear a lead. And, oh, there was bones found. And they're not human. It's it's wild. Yeah, and specifically like seven years later, right? Because I feel like like all this stuff is happening happening so spaced out that it's like like you kind of get over the last, you know, bit of hope or the last development – and then a new one comes along, and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. is this the one? And then at some, and then at some point, you have to kind of like get callous to it. You kind of have to get, you know, a little numb to 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 these developments because you're like, I've been through this game before. Like, you know, give me yeah. something a little bit more, otherwise, I don't really want to get my hopes up here. I could, I wouldn't blame them for that at all. Yeah, the emotional roller coaster and such a long period of time. I'm sure you get to points where you've sort of emotionally moved on. Yeah, you got to. And then something comes up and it just brings back these terrible memories. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it just kind of reminds me of um, what the family's going through. It makes you feel for them, you know? Well, yeah, three years later, too, Riley, even more movement was made in David's case. In 2020, police executed another search warrant at a home that police said publicly belonged to someone considered to be a person of interest. But they never said who that was or where that house was either. Wow. Man, they're not saying a whole lot. It's weird that, um, gosh, I just wish I knew if any of these houses were connected somehow from yeah. the previous ones. Yeah, where they keep getting these leads. Yeah, and again, going back to the like, going back to like, they definitely know more than they're like saying publicly here because they, you know, have the, all these houses in mind that clearly had to have come from somewhere, and yet you're just not saying where they are from or who they're how they're connected, and I'm just like. Like, again, the crime junkie in me is like, gimme, gimme, gimme. But, like, the, you know, the person who just wants this case solved is like, you know, do whatever you need to do to get this thing done. You know, just tell me on the back end at least, right? Yeah. 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 I I don't know if it's coming, but I just keep waiting for that one piece of um, evidence or some clue to to be found that is finally going to sort of point them in the right direction. Yeah, um, it's just well, I don't know about the right direction, but there is going to be a pretty significant bump here that we're about to get to. So okay. don't lose hope just yet, Riley. I'm hanging in. All right. Okay, so that was a lot of search warrants, though. Is that even normal? It's definitely more than you know the average case, Riley. At least more search warrants where nothing really seemed to come of them than normal. But here, I had like actually kind of a hard time keeping up with keeping all these straight, and so I actually Same. made a map of all the search warrants. So here, Riley, take a look at this if you don't mind, and you know I think that this may kind of help you understand a little bit more about what we're talking about. If there's an X on this map. I'm gonna freak out. Uh, no X, zero X's. I made it myself. 
So this, so this is what we're looking at here, Riley. So you look overall all the all the way on the right side of the of the of the map here. That's those are the two properties in Santa Clara, New Mexico, um, that we're talking about that were searched. And then all the way at the bottom is that landfill. And then we have three different other properties in actual Silver City um, that we're talking about that were searched as well using uh, using search warrants. Um, and so point being, you can see that these properties are pretty well spread out. And so yeah. these are definitely, in my opinion, not properties that were, like, tied back to, like, any specific location that, like, led them to think, okay, well, maybe this could have gone, they could have gone this place. This is, I think, in my opinion, like, very clearly, like, tying back to specific people, potentially, who David had ties to. Because um, otherwise, yeah. why would all these properties be, be you know, be searched? They are on, they're in completely different areas of, of New Mexico. Yeah, it's hard to see any connection, at least um, kind of locally here on, a, on looking at the map. Um, so I, th I think you're right as far as someone, some peoples somehow have connections to these places, mm -hmm. somehow have connections to David, um, and whether or not they're behind anything. This is clearly the best thing that law enforcement has to go right. off of is right. – is checking these places out. Right. Well, and I think that also goes to show, like, how little evidence was found of David's disappearance, period, right? Because, like, the fact that they had to go for search warrants, which, by the way, are not easy to get, right? So it's like, that may almost makes me realize even further Man, right. that there's more evidence there. They must have had a good reason. Right, that police were not being, were not releasing publicly, right? Because they had to have gone to a judge and said that, that I have real good reason to search these properties, and I have real good reason that I'm going to find something on these properties. And a judge agreed. And most of these searches were done years after. Correct. Right? Correct. So yeah. And at it, varying – it's like, you know, 2012, 2014, 20 – it's like at varying levels of, of after 2010. You'd imagine with so much time passing, um, that kind of takes away the chance that they're going to find mm -hmm. anything that would actually connect anything yeah. back to that time right. period when something had happened. Yeah. Um, well, and that – and I had that bad. exact same thought to you, Riley, and that made me – and this is going to sound really morbid and I wasn't going to say this, but since you brought that up, I'm going to say it anyways. Um, that made say me it. almost think that they were possibly searching the property for remains. Um, okay. Because kind of to that point, right? Like they're not finding like blood evidence. They're not finding, you know, physical evidence that like some, that like somebody attached to those properties may have been, you know, concealing after. I think the right. most recent one was, was 2020. So like, you know, 20, so 10 years later, you know, you're not finding that kind of evidence. I feel pretty confident to say that they're searching for remains at this point. That makes a lot of sense yeah. because I just said it. I'm like, why are they even looking at these places years after what mm -hmm. could possibly be found? They must have reason to believe that they're not right. they're not finding maybe clues to what happened that night. They're looking for something that, you know, they're looking for David. Right. Precisely. Precisely. You know, but again, after every single one of these searches, Riley, the investigators didn't appear to have come up with any more information than they had before. And as every single search warrant comes and goes, the family gets more and more hope that something may be found to point them just a little bit closer to what happened to David, at least. But that never came. And the mystery persisted for years in David's case without much resolution. And even as the years went on, David's family was only left with possibilities, suspicions, and rumors about what may or may not have really happened to David on Halloween night of 2010. And in the meantime, David's mother said she could feel the stares in the grocery store, the averted eyes in the parking lots, and the tensions among those who they thought themselves to be closest with. 
And all throughout, they had to have been getting a little scared. Because suddenly, people with direct ties to David were suddenly winding up dead, including David's own sister, Nicole. Get ready for that big test with Study.com. Study.com offers learning materials and test prep, even LSAT study prep guides for all of my legal nerds listening. Unfortunately, there aren't any wine study guides, and believe me, I did check. Listeners can get 30% off their first three months of any subscription level using the promo code CRIMEOVERWINE. Again, that's promo code CRIMEOVERWINE, no spaces, for 30% off your first three months at Study.com. Learn faster, stay motivated, study smarter with our sponsor, Study.com. Crime Over Wine is proud to support Emancipat. Today, there are over 60 million beloved pets across the country whose families cannot access or afford veterinary care. With your help, Emancipat is changing that. Emancipat is a nonprofit that offers low-cost vet care for those who need it most. They rely on donations to keep their costs low for pet families across the country. You can support Emancipat's mission at emancipat.org. All right, Riley, how's your wine tasting? It's good. It's it's lasting. It's doing the trick. Because, you know, for a Zinfandel, it's actually kind of a drier Zinfandel, which I'm really yeah. actually liking um, because, again, everyone knows how much I like big, bold flavors, big, bold, dry wines. Um, this is definitely big and bold, and it's actually a little bit on the drier side. I'm actually kind of liking where we're going with this wine. Yeah, I'm picking up what you're laying down. Um, I'm not even sure if I'm much of a red wine guy, mm-hmm. but I think um, I, I am enjoying it. It has a lot of different flavors to yeah. it, so it's just kind of interesting. Every time I, every time I taste it, it's not like it's necessarily different but i pick up yeah yeah yeah. well and that's that's kind of cool because again so like the more that that wine aerates we talked about this so many times on so many times on crime over wine um but the more the wine aerates the more those flavors kind of blend but it's kind of cool because i'm still getting a little bit of that of that vanilla kind of flavors around the around the edges there as well riley um i'm still getting a good bit of that um which is adding a good kick to the wine because normally that that blends in a lot more and you don't really get that you know the the more it aerates I'm getting that still a good bit here. Yeah, it's I'm I'm very pleased. I think you picked out a very good selection this week for a guy that doesn't drink a lot of wine or even knows what he likes. Well, it sounds like you need to hang out with me a lot more than Riley um, because I will teach you all my wine tricks. So just uh, run that by Cornelia. For yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. Yeah, I would never do anything without the fiance. <laughs> need her permission. <laughs> Correct. Well, Riley, um, we were. Uh, I just left you off on a really massive cliffhanger. Um, we just found yeah, out about David's sister really Nicole. Big twist. Yeah, and so you want to find out what happened there because it's Please. left turn for sure. Who? How? How is this woman? How did she die? What What is sort of what do we know now? Yeah. Where is this going? Well, we're about to f- have all those an- the questions answered, Riley. But you know, friends of David were suddenly dying of drug overdoses. Acquaintances were getting shot and killed. Others were dying in car accidents. But none of those sudden and tragic deaths hit quite like the death of David's twenty-one-year-old sister Nicole. In September of 2012, so we're going back a good bit here, police were responding to a welfare check at the house Nicole shared with her boyfriend Chris Calloway. That's when they found Nicole dead from an apparent gunshot wound. (sighs) Okay, so this is no drug overdose. This is no car accident. She's been murdered. Just about. Just about. Oh, man. What a poor family. So young. Um, Man. Okay, so we know she's, she's 
a gunshot wound. She's dead. What do we know? What what do we know exactly what could have happened? Well, Nicole's boyfriend Chris tells police that the couple had been drinking when they started to fight over beans, according to court documents. Don't know what they were fighting about over beans, but that's what they said. Chris said okay. that the fight somehow turned into a game of Russian roulette, quote, to a certain extent. Chris said that he had unloaded one of two guns they had in the home except for one bullet. He then said he put the revolver to his own head and pulled the trigger twice when he said Nicole grabbed the gun and put it to her own head and pulled the trigger. Chris said that he tried to grab the gun back from her when it went off, shooting and killing her, all while their two-month-old son was in the next room. That's when Chris said that he called police and, quote, anyone who could help him. After police arrived and they got Chris's story, he was arrested and charged with murder. A little more than two years later, in November of 2014, Chris pleaded no contest to child abuse and negligence charges in exchange for the murder charges against him being dropped. Okay, well, that deal makes sense for him anyways. That's that's a little... Sure. That's sad that, that, that it went that way. Um, you would think if he murdered someone, they'd want to prosecute him, prosecute him to the fullest extent. Yeah. Story doesn't quite... Well, I don't believe him to say. Yeah, and I guess I would imagine the prosecution probably didn't have a whole lot of physical evidence to like prove that this wasn't just some like weird accident gone wrong. But like, it's so unbelievable, right? Like the fact that you're telling me that you guys fought over beans, and so somehow they were like, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna take some bullets out of the gun, and we're gonna settle this fight by playing Russian roulette over beans. Yeah, he sounds a little unhinged. Yeah. Probably some domestic issues oh. there before this had happened. And we're going to get to that in a second for sure. So definitely hold that thought, Riley, because there's some things here that I don't really like about Chris for sure. Yeah. Okay, so what does that have to do with David's case, though? Well, if you ask police, Riley, it doesn't. Investigators have said that there doesn't appear to be a direct connection between David's disappearance and Nicole's death or any other mysterious deaths or disappearances in the community, for that matter. But if you ask David and Nicole's loved ones, they would disagree with that. Their theory, and again, this is just a theory, is that Nicole may have learned about what really happened to David, and that Chris may have had something to do with it. Chris was apparently known to be a very violent person, especially with Nicole. According to what her parents told the podcast, True Consequences, Chris had choked her at least once, and Nicole's mom actually saw it happen. Chris claimed to have been, quote, playing with Nicole when he did this, and Nicole backed him up on that, actually. But Nicole's mom didn't like it, and frankly, neither do I, and tried to explain to Nicole that he shouldn't be playing with her like that and that it wasn't an appropriate way to play with someone you claim to love. But that wasn't all either, Riley. Chris was apparently not being very faithful to Nicole either. Nicole, her mom, and David had caught Chris with another girl at least once, and Nicole ended up getting into a fight with this girl after that, after she caught them in the act, while David also confronted Chris about it, which is when the two guys started getting into it too, according to David's parents. But while all of this is super bizarre and a pretty big red flag considering what ended up happening to David and Nicole, the real credence behind David's family's theory that Chris may at least know more about David's disappearance is that Chris was actually known to be one of the last people to be with David the night that he disappeared. Wow, okay, that seems like a big piece of information. Yeah. Now, I was kind of 
I, I guess I'm not 100% sure. How old would Chris have been when David had um, disappeared? Chris, so, well, let's do some math really fast. Um, and again, everyone knows I'm not very good at math. Chris was 23 in 2012, so he would have been 21 oh, okay. in 2010-ish. Okay, so definitely old enough to be capable of something sure. here. Whether it was actually doing something to David or mm-hmm. knowing something. Um, but definitely seems like there's something here. I'm sure this is the most um, solid direction that law enforcement has had any development with David's case. Right. Well, and again, it like, you know, motive does not equal evidence, right? So like the fact that you have problems with someone in the past does not necessarily mean that you are di- directly responsible for hurting that person a hundred percent. But again, like all the things are kind of adding up and I have to go back to, again, the fact that we really don't know a whole lot about the circumstances around David's disappearance in terms of the night that he went missing. And so, I would be curious to know, like, are the rumors just that Chris was there that night? Or, like, are the rumors that he was at the party that, that or the, the hangout that Chris, that David was supposed to be at? Um, or no, I guess I don't really fully understand. Like, it's kind of odd because of the characters that we have here, like, how, how Chris was connected to David that night inter- that made people start saying that Chris was one of the last people to see david before he disappeared yeah like was it were they having um you know conversations Mm -hmm. or you know if if they were talking that night and having some sort of interactions then it would kind of lead me to think right you know there is something here but if they're at the same place or supposed to be at the same place um a lot of the connections could just be because he's dating david's sister sure and um but still if the if law enforcement is going off of that they believe that Chris was one of the last people that David was around that night or was last seen by him and Chris is connected to the to the sister and and then years later the sister is yeah murdered accidentally murdered whatever it, it comes out of that it just if we're looking for suspicious things uh, they're all seeming to be kind of coming around David right now, right. Chris right now. Right. Well, and again, like, all of that, you know, again, points to, like, real, like, real strong, like, circumstantial evidence, right? Like, to, like directed mm-hmm. at Chris here, right? Because because regardless of of, um, of who is, you know, involved, of, of you know, what what the actual, like, motivation may be, you have to be able to definitively say from, a, from an investigative standpoint that, yes, Chris was one of the last people to see him alive. There may be, there, there, there seems to be like really strong motive evidence here but and 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 like this is how he would have had the opportunity to 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 do what he had to do you can't just go off of like you know they they had problems because of her because of david's sister and i'm hearing that he may have been at the party because even to me like in my mind i'm like okay well if they had all these problems then why was chris at the party together with david you, you know what I mean? Because yeah. that just doesn't yeah. seem credible to me all that much unless you can prove that it's true. Yeah. There's not – there's a lot of suspicious kind of things, but nothing concrete, nothing Correct. that is probably going to give them some serious leads or to hold right. anything against Chris. Um, but still, Chris isn't looking too no, good. definitely not. And he's, he's already in a, a lot of trouble with what had happened yeah. with um, David's sister. Yeah. 
Well, and to be clear, so to, you know, moving forward from this, you know, like nobody's been arrested in David's case. So I just want to be crystal clear that like, you know, like we're like, I don't even know if Chris is considered a person of interest um, in, in regards to, um, to to David's disappearance. Um, he's clearly, you know, a, you know, he clearly was the suspect and the, and the person who was convicted um, for um, for Nicole's murder or Nicole's death, not a murder. He was not charged with murder. Mm-hmm. Um, but point being is um, is they is is is. All of this is super fishy, um, as far as I'm concerned. All of these things right. are super odd and, and deserve to be looked at a lot more. But they clearly weren't incriminating enough to, to charge anybody, because still to this day, nobody's yeah. been charged with David's disappearance. Um, and today, there is a plot reserved for David right next to Nicole's. They are waiting for the day to come when they finally get to bury their son, clearly giving up any hope that they would find him alive. David's parents are raising Nicole's son, but didn't have contact with David's son as of the last reporting on this case. Throughout the years of searching for David, there have been some sporadic reported sightings of David, but nothing that turned out to be anything legit or confirmed, and police are clear that they are still considering David's case wide open. As of recently, investigators have said that they are still working to interview and re-interview multiple people in the community believed to have knowledge of the disappearance, including some police have labeled as a person of interest. In the meantime, David's parents are still convinced that someone out there knows something about David and that they are closer to the investigation than meets the eye, going as far as to say that they believe they know who is actually responsible for David's disappearance. As of the most recent publications on this case, they have been pushing for the state to take over the investigation so that more resources could be used to find David. David is Hispanic, about 5 feet tall and 110 pounds. He has short brown hair, brown eyes, and a scar on his chest. He was last seen wearing a blue long-sleeved sweater with a black t-shirt over it, black shorts, and brown steel-toed boots. If you know anything about the disappearance of David Ortiz Jr., you're asked to call the Silver City Police Department at 575-538-3723. But Riley, that is all that we have for you this week. So thank you so much for joining the Crime Vineyard and thanks so much for hopping on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Liam. This has been a very fascinating case. Frustrating coming from a point when you want to know Mm -hmm. more, you know, and there's only so much here. There's interesting twists and turns. Um, I think from what I just heard, if I heard you correctly, that the family also still has some people in mind right. that they think are responsible. Law enforcement still interviewing people, still open. Yeah. Um, well, and to be clear, the family's suspicions are are a lot of people that we have already mentioned. To be clear, like there, I, as far as I can tell, maybe I'm wrong. Um, it, it there that there aren't any additional parties that the family is considering suspicious at this at this point. Okay. Oh, I can just only imagine. Um, they were already going through such a whirlwind, right. and then their daughter's killed, and then. Oh man, you know, makes you feel so bad. Yeah, absolutely. But what if what a what an incredibly fascinating case. Well, tell everyone where they can find you and your work online, Riley. Okay. Um, okay, my uh, Instagram. We can start there. It's Stranger Nags Podcast. That's spelled Stranger and then N A G E S Podcast. You can find my my Instagram there. Uh, I think my podcast may still have some episodes up. So if you ever just uh, go on to Spotify or um, I think mostly Spotify is what I have it on. You can go check out. I used to do a I used to do a podcast talking about movies. So if anyone was interested, what's the name? In Drop that, it. It's Stranger Eggs Podcast. Awesome. 
So that's where my Instagram handle came from. I, yeah, I should have made that more <laughs> obvious. Sorry. That's where the that's where the Instagram came from. The podcast started at first, Stranger Negs, a playoff of one of my favorite shows, Stranger Things. Mm. So talk about movies, TV, review things. Haven't done it in a while, but it's been fun kind of getting back into the podcast world yeah. and getting to come on to your yeah, well, we um, I always say that you know there's a, there's a gateway podcast for everybody, um, and so maybe this is your re gateway podcast to get back into the podcasting world because I'm I'm a podcast um, I'm a podcast pusher, um, as I say I'm, hey, I'm pushing all my friends to start a podcast. So, um, but yeah, no, you've inspired me. I think because when you had gotten into it, I was like, man, I wish you know I had kept mine do going because it, it's it fun. I'm sure you have a good time. It sure with it. Is. And if I ever get it back up, I like to do what you do. You you bring on friends and and people that you know from the community. So you're probably like my first guest if I ever bring it back. Well, there you go. Oh, I'm honored. I'm very, very honored. Thanks yeah. for that. Um, well, thank you again so much for coming on, Riley. And thank you all so much for listening. We are going to put all of our sources on our website so you can read everything for yourself and probably come up with a few theories too. And if you are just loving this podcast and are just looking for a way to tell everyone and anyone about it, the best way to help people discover this podcast is by leaving us a five-star rating and a review wherever you are listening right now. So make sure you follow us on Facebook Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you're wondering what we have in store for you next week, here's a quick sneak peek. Hello, everybody. It's Liam. And I'm Heather Hendrickson from the podcast Heather's Most Precious. Next week, I am entering the crime vineyard with the horrific case of a New Jersey serial killer and the heroic women who finally took him down. It's going to be hard to hear, but worth every single second. We'll have that story next Wine Wednesday on another episode of Crime Over Wine. Proud member of the Podnougan Network.